0: So Money, Episode 241, Elizabeth Leamy.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest is a nationally known TV journalist, as well as a critically acclaimed author and nationwide speaker. You may have seen her on TV, Elizabeth Leamy. She's most known for contributing to The Dr. Oz Show and ABC News as a consumer advocate and money-saving expert. Elizabeth has been contributing to The Dr. Oz Show since 2013 as a consumer and investigative correspondent. And prior to that, she spent nine years working as a consumer reporter for Good Morning America and other national ABC News programs. She still contributes to abcnews.com, where she writes a money column. And she's the author of two books, including Save Big, Cut Your Top Five Costs and Save Thousands, and The Savvy Consumer, How to Avoid Scams and Ripoffs that Cost You Time and Money. My favorite book is probably Save Big, because there she really talks about about not worrying about the little things and keeping your head stuck in the weeds, the financial weeds, but really thinking big and looking at your bigger expenses and how you can, with just a little bit of time and effort, shave off thousands and thousands of dollars a year and not really have to change your lifestyle as a result. Several takeaways from our interview today, including Elizabeth's most embarrassing money moment, like really embarrassing. And it actually... (laughs) She laughs about it now, but at the time it really pained her. And I have to say, I can kind of relate to the story. She talks about how a college boyfriend helped her get out of debt. Isn't that nice? And we do touch on how to score big financial wins so you can keep enjoying your daily latte. Takeaways from that book, Save Big. Here is Elizabeth Leamy. Elizabeth Leamy, welcome to So Money. Excited to have you on the show. Okay, thank you, Cornish. We've been planning this for a while, so I'm glad that we finally got around to it. I know, and just for listeners out there, I have been trying to connect with Elizabeth for about a week now, but I've been having technical (laughs) difficulties. First, I thought my laptop was crashing. Then I thought my mic was broken. Turns out the cord was faulty. So, the cheapest part of all. The cheapest part of all. Right, (laughs) the four dollar USB cord needed to get replaced uh, because when you do a daily show, I suppose it goes through some wear and tear, and Elizabeth all this time you've been very patient and so very happy and excited to introduce you to our audience. Although many people might already know who you are, you are a very familiar face on television, a well-known TV journalist. You've uh, been a contributor to ABC News as a consumer advocate and money-saving expert, Dr. Oz show, which is very exciting. Tell us about the Dr. Oz show. That's uh re-airing now in the fall and you'll be making some appearances for us. Tell us how that relationship came about and your role in, in 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 that show?
1: Well, the Dr. Oz show, I kind of do two things there. I do medical investigations for the show about, for example, procedures that maybe aren't as safe as we would hope. And then I also talk about being a good healthcare consumer. And I do think you, when you have the chance, if you're not having a heart attack or something, you need to be a consumer, not just a patient. And not only will that save you money, but it could save your life. So that's what I do for the show. And it's been, gosh, I guess this will be my third season with the show. They've been on summer hiatus, and they're just kicking back into gear now. And I really enjoy it because, of course, nothing matters more to people than their health.
0: No, and and health can be so expensive, especially when you're trying to plan for your future. What advice do you have for folks who they might be nearing retirement or they're concerned about affording health care in retirement, given that it's such a wild card. That is so true.
1: Yes. You know what? There are some calculators you can use that actually try to get at the true cost of health care in retirement. And that true cost accounts for the fact that Medicare won't cover everything. I think my favorite one last time I looked was an AARP calculator, and that's one place people can start. But then the other thing that many experts advise is just to at, you know, whatever you think the number's gonna be, add another 20%. Something like that to give yourself some more pad for health care so that you can get the very best care, be in the best possible health, and enjoy your life.
0: We're going to talk more about money in a second, especially the way that you manage your money, Elizabeth. I'm curious to hear about that. But first, I want to know how did you get involved in talking about money on the air? Is it something that you pursued primarily as a journalist or someone who was really <laughs> interested in money, or was it kind of a little bit of both? or neither. I'm laughing. Yeah,
1: I'm laughing as you ask me this because here's how I got involved in talking about money. My boss made me Ah, I was a general assignment reporter in Tampa, Florida. And my boss wanted me to be the consumer reporter at the station. And at first I said no. And he came back to me and said, uh, hello, I am the boss. So yes, you will be doing this. Little did he know I had credit card at the debt, a uh, credit card debt at the time. I, you know, wasn't particularly financially savvy myself. I was mass phobic, but I overcame all of that sort of on the job and on the fly. And I, think that one of the things that helped me explain money things to other people over the years is the fact that this stuff does not come naturally to me.
0: So you can relate. Exactly. So you can kind of... Did you ever have like a... What was your craziest story about money? Personal story? I always talk about this later in the show, like your craziest, your worst financial moment, your failure. Tell us about maybe something that you dealt with at an early age with money that um, made you ultimately so relatable. <laughs>
1: Okay, bingo. Here we go. Ready for me to get embarrassed? Yes. yes. Uh, I will gladly confess because I feel like if I can have overcome this kind of knuckleheaded move, then anybody can learn about money and finance and do a good job. It's fresh year in college. I have my first bank account. Yes, we actually actively used them then. I'm showing my age. And I bounced a check at the local grocery store. And I thought, oh geez, oh gosh, you know, how did that happen? How embarrassing. Um, so I you know, I did a couple of things. I asked my parents, send money and I went back, you know, they did, and I went back to the store and actually I not only did my parents send me money, I got a check from some company, a, a department search service I had used that hadn't found me an apartment. So I got a refund. I deposit those two checks, I'm good. I go back to the grocery store and I say, hey, gosh, sorry about that. I you know, bounced the check, but I'm, I'm good for it now. Can I write you a check to cover the cost? Yeah. That check also bounced what? because the apartment search firm that I mentioned had gone out of business and their check to me bounced. And then a series of other checks bounced because I'm sure you know when you bounce a check, you get assessed a fee. And when somebody else writes you a check that bounces, at least at that time, you got assessed another fee. Oh,
0: man. And,
1: oh, okay, but here's the part that really, really is embarrassing. I finally figured out why I had bounced that first check. I had been carefully, scrupulously keeping the check register, just as my dad taught me, writing down every check I wrote, but I wasn't writing down ATM withdrawals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, boneheaded, dumb, dense, but this kind of showed me that when it comes to teaching financial literacy to high school kids, and that's really what I was, I was just getting into college,
0: nothing is too basic. So... Hopefully, there are lots of
1: people way more savvy than me. But that was my big financial failure.
0: Yeah, nothing really is too basic. And if you're fortunate, you learn this early on in your life. I remember being in college and thinking that the ATM was my financial advisor, meaning I would get the receipt every time I withdraw money. And whatever that balance was on that receipt, that's how much money I thought I had left. But of course, the Uh, ATM is not this real-time machine. Like, it it actually didn't perhaps factor in that, you know, earlier that day you had made a debit charge at the grocery store and that charge hadn't cleared yet. So this isn't actually your balance. So um, I did that and I ended up uh, I over-withdrawing several times. And this was before I signed up for overdraft protection. And so, or rather I had overdraft protection, <laughs> which is a very misleading thing because it, it's yeah. got the word protection in there, but it does anything but- <laughs> <laughs> it allows yes, you to basically indeed. keep on spending with, but it allows you to, so it protects you from, I guess, not being, from being embarrassed at the cash register and the lady saying, you can't buy this because you don't have enough money. But, and for that, you have to pay a fee. So I just say, don't ever sign up for overdraft protection because, uh, it doesn't do you any favors.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan. I once signed up for overdraft protection, thinking, "Oh, this will be all right." And what it was was a credit card, and I didn't want or need another credit card. And I happen to know that having many, many credit cards wasn't great for my credit score. So I was furious because they hadn't actually disclosed to me that that's where the overdraft went was onto this credit card. Yeah, that's
0: a sticky area. So now, Elizabeth, you've written a couple of books. I I really liked your first one about uh, how to really have big wins in your life. Like, Don't go after trying to skip your little expenses here and there, but really try to, for example, save on property taxes, refinance your mortgage, because those are the real home runs. Um, What would you say is your overarching money philosophy stemming from maybe the two books that you've written? Well,
1: that would be it. To save big, not small. For me, at least at this stage in my life, this makes sense for me. I don't like to worry about every single latte or brown bagging my lunch. To me, those lattes with a friend are the little glimmers of pleasure between the big responsibilities that we all have. So instead, I do, as you said, focus on where we spend the most money because that's where you can save the most money. And you can save thousands at a time if you think, focus on things like your housing, cars and other transportation, credit, interest on loans, groceries and healthcare. Those are the top five American expenses. And I focus on those and I try to save a ton of money every now and then instead of
0: eking out a teensy bit of savings every day. And I remember when Save Big came out, it was very counterintuitive, not counterintuitive, but it was counter to what we were hearing blasted over all the airwaves, all the articles about skip this, skip that, how to save $20 a day, $30 a week. And here was Elizabeth Leamy saying, don't worry about that. Check your tax bill. Well,
1: <laughs> yes. Well, so, you know, to me, it's way more exciting to save money on the boring stuff, like car insurance, where you might save a 1000 bucks in a year, rather than skipping one coffee or one pair fair of really cute flip-flops like I got today. If you do learn to save small, you can then roll that into things that bring you much bigger savings. So, for example, if you learn to save some on your groceries – which really adds up, then you can roll that savings into things like prepaying your mortgage, which can bring you five- and six-figure savings over time. So, you know, it's a balance, and it has to be right for each person. But, yes, everybody was talking about the the latte factor and and that, and I just wanted to make sure that people aren't sort of stepping over the
0: $100 bills to pick up (laughs) the pennies. Don't step over the $100 bills to pick up the pennies. I like that. Yes. I like that. That's, that's a good <laughs> philosophy. What would you say is one pivotal, pivotal money memory you had growing up, Elizabeth, that, uh, really impacted the way that you look at, at money, you feel about money, and you think about money?
1: I would have to say my yard work business when I was 11 years old in Lucas Valley, California. <laughs> I, my friend, Karin Jacobson and I put an ad in the local newsletter saying, you know, yard business. And we would show up and these homeowners had hired us over the phone and we sounded very mature. But we were these skinny 11-year-old girls. But we worked our tails off, pushed my dad's non-electric mower, you know, the kind that's round and has those blades and you just use your own, you know, muscle power to push it. And we did yard work. And I don't frankly know how good at it we were, but people... Kind of felt a little sorry for us and kind of admired that we were going for it. And having my own money that I had made, that was intoxicating. Way better than any allowance I had ever earned. And I think that's the thing is that power to earn if you work hard. You also probably learned how to work with a business partner. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes. And Karen was a good little worker. So that's my favorite kind of business partner.
0: <laughs> you just counted the money while she did all the hard work, right? <laughs>
1: well, hang on a second. I remember being on my knees pulling plenty of weed. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. What would you say is your, your so money moment along the same theme? I mean, you sounds like you had one when you when you were 11. But um When you were a young adult or even more recently, what would you say has been your your so moneyest moment?
1: I want to tell you a little story for this one. Can I do that? Of course. Absolutely. Okay. When I was 27 we go to the Tampa Bay area. I met this cute guy. And I was super impressed with this guy when we started dating him. He drove a BMW. He actually traded stocks. He was a stockbroker, financial planner. And, you know, I liked him a lot and I wanted to impress him. And so he offered to do a financial plan for me. And I thought, wait, hey, great soon. I'll be, you know, jet setting, trading stocks and so forth. And so, you know, some sort of a, Long form that you fill out and then it spits out the results. And the results basically were a page with one line at the top that said assets and that page was blank. And then there was the page for liabilities and that page had, you know, the credit card debt, the store card debt, this debt and that debt. Hmm, very, very unbalanced, lopsided picture and this nice, nice guy that I had just started dating said to me, hmm, gosh I guess there really isn't much to plan financially, planning wise and I said, but wait, I've got assets I've got a used 1984 Toyota Camry, I've got a really cute dog and look at all these shoes and he was like, but look at all that credit card debt I was mortified, mortified but here's what happened he and I put me on a spending freeze. This was his idea. I went along with it. No more shoes, no shopping, no dining. Ouch. And in about seven months, I had paid off that credit card debt. And for once, instead of calling my parents and saying, send money, I called them up and said, guess what? I did it. I paid off my own credit card debt. They had bailed me out once before when I was getting out of college and I knew I couldn't ask them again. And guess what? That was the first boyfriend my parents ever approved of. And that boyfriend became my husband.
0: I was <laughs> and we're happily married today. Yes. We're well, almost seventeen years. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I was gonna say at first like, who is this jerk that made you feel bad about having debt? And then it got better. (laughs) Yeah. He actually wanted you to do better and he helped you. Yes. He actually didn't really make me
1: feel bad. He was kind of funny about it. But the key was having somebody and really I think one of my peers rather than my parents say to me, ooh, this is a problem and you need to work on this. And I did. And, you know, I started doing things like anytime I had money. I sent it, even if there wasn't a build zoo. And that made all the difference. And boy, I got out from under. I just dug myself out dollar by dollar. And and boy, I didn't have it as bad as some folks do. But credit card debt is a disease. It's it can be really, really
0: deadly. (laughs) So And it can keep coming back. Right. It's like one of those viruses that never goes away. You know, if you don't really just hunker down, treat yourself the right way and do what you have to do so that it never comes back and just deal with it once and for all.
1: Well, you're right, because I said my parents paid mine off for me after college, you know, a couple thousand dollars, but I ran it back up again after college and in grad school. So it did come back and it was scary. And I used to have to keep track of when all my bills were due and, you know, you know, what was the minimum balance and how could I juggle and afford to pay this bill this week and wait till next week to pay that one and so forth. And it's just such a pleasure
0: not to have to do that anymore. Is uh, your husband's last name Leamy? No, he is Chris Persinger. He's oh. a CFP. And I lucked
1: out when I met him because part of my financial education has been just here at home.
0: The slow drip method. Fantastic. Well, what a great yeah. partnership you, you have. Yes. What is one habit that you practice that helps you with your money, Elizabeth? Maybe it's something that you do with your husband. Actually,
1: that is exactly it. When we first got married, we decided we would set a spending limit, an amount of money that either of us could spend on our own without asking the other for permission. But anything over that amount, we had to collaborate and agree. And that amount, has we still have a limit, but that amount has gone up over the years as we've (laughs) gotten a little older and more prosperous. But I tell you, it... One, avoided a lot of fights, and I think money is one of the top things couples fight about. And two, sometimes with time and with getting that other person's permission, that expense that seems so important kind of fades away and you end up not
0: spending the money. So,
1: yeah. that's really actually one of my favorite tips for couples, especially newlyweds.
0: So, you know, it's, it's the benefits are twofold. On the one hand, it, it allows for some freedom, which alleviates fighting, but also, It's a threshold. So if you're going to go over it, it requires a discussion. And then often that distance, even if it's just a five minute pause, it's why we say, you know what, when you're online shopping, leave the items in your cart, go get a you know, a, ca- a glass of water, come back, you probably won't want it. And having that distance, or in this case, a conversation about the purchase might make you realize, I don't really want it that much because in the moment, everything you think you need and it's going to be impulsive. But so that's that's a good tip. I, I firmly believe in the ours, mine, and your account. Three buckets.
1: Yes, I like that. And in this case, like you say, it does give you that freedom. But what I also love is that this tip can apply to anybody and it's it's up to your personal interpretation. you know, maybe mm-hmm. a young couple maybe their, their limit is
0: a hundred bucks, fifty bucks. Uh, mine's gone up you know from there over the years. It's really helped us. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks, Elizabeth? Oh yeah! You've made it like this it. far. You've this is when you know you've really made it this far, and the rest is just downhill. <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, can you uh, tell me what would you do with a million? Uh, if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is. All right. I would
1: use the principle to set up a charitable foundation, which then allows you to live off of the interest (laughs) tax-free. Excellent. That's something I learned from my financial planner husband.
0: Yes. How convenient, by the way, to have a financial planner husband. It is. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is?
1: The danger of credit cards.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is...
1: My house, buying a nice one in Washington D.C. in the first place, and then a stream of home improvement projects ever since. I am a home improvement guru.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to consult with you. We're under, we're undergoing <laughs> renovations right now. We have a whole team, and oh my gosh, it's, I'm not out uh, of the weeds yet. I have to just, ref- I'm, ugh, we're, we're still in the demolition phase.
1: Uh, well, um, listen, my parents are both architects, so I grew up remodeling, and there, here's our architect- Tech humor. They say, "What are who are the three professionals you need to hire as a married couple when you're renovating your home?" And they are an architect,
0: a builder, and a marriage counselor. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. Have you been peeking into my life recently? Yeah. This uh, This has yeah. had a lot of layers of stress on top of being new parents and having been displaced because of the home renovations and. Um, Work obviously is, is, is stress in and of itself. But then on top of that, you've got the stress of the construction project. Oh my gosh. But I think that by, the, if we make, we're going to, we're going to not only work, me and Tim have a philosophy. We don't want to just get through things. We want to thrive. Mm-hmm. Getting through is just not acceptable. Like that's, that's not why you're married. You know, you, you want to enjoy every day as much as possible. And so we, if when we thrive, <laughs> I think that we could do anything together. Like. <laughs> If well we, if we can thrive <laughs> through this renovation project, like we're solid. There you go. We're good.
1: We're there you good. go. And you know what? There are some things to enjoy when you're displaced from your home too. When my parents finally, after those years of remodeling, they built a house, so we lived in a temporary place for a year, and we had the most relaxing, lovely year because for once we weren't remodeling or putting anything on the shelf or doing anything. We were just, you know, enjoying each other on the (sighs) weekends.
0: Yeah, we live in Williamsburg currently, which is I thought was going to be convenient. It is not, but you know what? We're enjoying Williamsburg. It's 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 a beautiful little area with so much diversity, and we're looking forward to exploring. So um, there is that to look forward to. Elizabeth, what is one thing that you spend on that makes your life easier or better? Mm -hmm. One thing I spend
1: on that makes my life easier or better, a cleaning person, Mm -hmm. somebody who helps out with that. You know what? I even had a cleaning lady when I was in my first job making $21,000 a year. Yeah. I, it's just something I don't choose to do. I'm a hard, hard worker. I work hard in lots of other ways, and I hire other folks who are great at that and work hard at that.
0: Peace. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And when I donate, I like to give to blank because?
1: When I donate, I like to give my to my high school, my undergrad, college Go Bears, UC Berkeley, and Northwestern University where, where I went to grad school for journalism school because I really feel that I would not be the person I am without my education.
0: Me too. Although the, I went to journalism school and I firmly believe in that investment. I think it has reaped benefits in dividends. But I think today, if someone wanted to go to journalism school and spend the $90,000, yes, mm. ninety that it is. Oh. I so sure i'd say you know what maybe put that in like a business degree or <laughs> just go and ah. put that in put that in a portfolio and learn a language or travel like i See, don't know i don't know
1: all that you've learned since then well i still am a fan it's true you do not need a journalism degree to be a fine journalist well, I spend that much many money. excellent people yeah yes um but i you know i thought it was Fantastic and
0: just what I needed. Perfect. Yeah, for me too. I think it's so grateful. Yeah, no, I know. It's hard to to be anti right now, but I I think with the with the cost that it is at, it is hard to make it a a rash choice, a rational choice. Okay, Elizabeth, last but not least, I'm Elizabeth Leamy and I'm so money because I am
1: so money because money does not come naturally to me. I started out as this math and money moron. So feeling like I've conquered this realm and
0: actually helped other people
1: understand it feels really good.
0: Yeah, you're right there in the trenches with all of us. And I love how you said yeah. you started out as a math phobic person. And it took that handsome man driving the BMW to convince you to get out of debt.
1: And we thank <laughs> you for Which, by the it. way, he bought you. Okay, he yeah. is a smart guy
0: that way. <laughs> so money. So money. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And wishing you continued success. Thank you. Thank you so much again to my fabulous guest, Elizabeth Leamy. For more about her, check out elizabethleamy.com. She's also on Twitter at Elizabeth Leamy. Of course, as always, if you missed any of this or want to read the interview, check out the transcript at somoneypodcast.com, where we've also got the comments and so much more. And if you haven't signed up for my free gift, I'm giving away a free ebook. It's called So Money Secrets. Just sign up for our weekly newsletter, and that way you can also stay in touch with what's going on and stay abreast of all the fun news that's happening here at So Money. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is So Money.